Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? Each week, we dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. In our show this week, in segment two, we're going to bring you the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. In our following segment, segment three, lots of big happenings with us here at Sports Business Radio. We're going to share some of those with you. We don't talk about ourselves very often, but want to make sure you're finding all of our terrific content and information, not only on this radio show, but on our website, Twitter, Facebook. We've got a great special event coming up. We'll communicate all of that news with you in segment three. Then in segment four, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. He covers the NFL for them. Lots of NFL storylines heading into the upcoming season. We'll discuss those with Charles. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business Radio blog or download the Sports Business Radio podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow us on Twitter. Also, now on sportsbusinessradio.com, look for the icons for both of those there. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, it's football season. It's the time we've all been waiting for. We saw new uniforms released by Nike this week, the pro uh, combat uniforms, uh, other offerings from many other schools. I'm excited for football season to kick off. Cannot wait. I actually got butterflies. It's like, bring it on, bring it on. I can't wait. It's, it's the best sport, in my opinion, to watch and, and be and, a part of. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I'm more excited for college football or for the NFL. That first NFL game, Saints-Vikings, that's going to be a good one. All right. Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. Coming up next, you're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
It's time, baby. Special news bulletin. At Sports Business Radio, we're always on top of what's happening in the world of sports. And each week, we break down the stories you need to know about. This is Headlines. I want to be in the headlines. On Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio. Our headlines are sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit WarsawCenter.com for more information. Headline number one. Frank and Jamie McCourt brought the core of their divorce battle to court this week in an attempt to determine whether Frank is the sole owner of the Los Angeles Dodgers or if both he and Jamie his soon-to-be ex-wife, own the team. This is according to the L.A. Times. As expected, Jamie's attorneys claim the couple's property agreement should be invalidated and the Dodgers ruled community property, while Frank's attorneys contended that the agreement should be upheld and that she was the one who insisted on it. Griggs, this is ugly. I mean, the Dodgers are one of the most iconic franchises in sports. And to give you an example of where this could go, so John and Becky Morris used to own the San Diego Padres. They got divorced, and because one couldn't afford to buy the other out, they had to sell the team, which they did. Jeff Morad now owns the team. John Moores has a very small piece of the team. But where I could see this going, if it's not ruled that Frank is the sole owner of the team, is that he's not going to be able to afford to buy her out. She won't be able to buy him out because now the team, so they paid about $450 million for the team. Back in 2004, even though that was leveraged, they basically put it on their credit card, as I said on Twitter this week. Now the team and its assets could be valued at $2 billion. So it's gone up a lot in franchise value. They own the stadium as well. I don't know that the McCourts are going to be owning this team a year from now. And frankly, I don't know if that's such a bad thing because everything has been put on hold payroll. They can't go out and acquire players because of the fact that this divorce proceeding is going on. I think it's probably a good thing for the Dodgers just to move the team forward. You know, this is kind of something that's been bogging them down for a while. You know, it's going to get messy because it's going to court. It's the divorce thing, the back and forth thing. It's going to take a while, I think, to get it solved. But yeah, it's, it's, it's ugly and it's not going to get better for a while, I don't think. Speaking of ugly, our next headline, Roger Clemens, as we told you last week, has been indicted. Six charges brought against him, two uh, perjury charges. He was in Washington earlier this week, pled not guilty, and it looks like jury selection is going to start in April of next year. Griggs, he was so concerned about the charges that he arrived early, took his mugshot, pled not guilty, and then flew on a private jet with his wife to go play golf in South Carolina. Doesn't sound like a guy who's too worried about how this is going to turn out. If it doesn't go his way, he could spend 30 years in prison, get a $1.5 million fine. What's more likely to happen is he'll go the Martha Stewart route and he'll spend 15 to 20 months in prison. But the thing that's remarkable remarkable about this, Griggs, is this is conceivably, statistically, the best pitcher of all time, and not only will his career go down the drain and he won't go into the Hall of Fame, but this guy may go to jail. It's really an amazing story that it's gotten to this point. Well, wait till you see him in the orange coat, you know, if he goes to jail. I mean, baseball. He'll say it's Longhorn burnt orange. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a terrible thing for baseball, though. I mean, this is the fan, you know, good for media. They love it. But, man, I mean, it's, it's bad for baseball because here's one of the best iconic pitchers of all time. Everybody knows him, and here he is in court getting a mugshot. Fans, I don't know. It's tough. Now, 
I do want to be careful because we all remember the Duke lacrosse case where everyone said they were guilty and, and sure enough, they weren't. And we've learned from that. You're innocent until proven guilty. But when you've got the feds who have a 90% conviction rate indicting you on six charges and you've got an ex-cop, Brian McNamee, who's got syringes with DNA on them, it certainly looks like the evidence is against Roger Clemens. And this is what I wrote about this week on my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. The difference between Clemens and Bonds is Bonds' trainer, Greg Anderson, has sat in a prison cell, will not talk at all with the feds, won't rat Barry Bonds out at all. So really, there's no evidence tangible evidence on Barry Bonds. Not the case here with Roger Clemens. Brian McNamee has chirped like a canary, and that's why the feds have a lot of evidence against him. Our next headline, also more bad news for baseball, if you can believe it. Really one of the bright, shining stars of baseball this season, Steven Strasburg, the young, promising pitcher who had a record-setting contract with the Washington Nationals, had Tommy John surgery this week on his elbow. He's going to miss 12 to 18 months. Griggs, this is really bad news, not just for the Nationals, but for Major League Baseball. This guy's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's selling out games wherever he went. Let me give you a number. The Nationals averaged 33,446 fans for the seven home games Strasburg pitched compared to an average of 22,000 fans when he didn't pitch. So big difference there. I mean, that's a few million dollars at the gate. You're selling merchandise. And the other impact of this story, I think, is that in the future, when a Scott Boris or another agent says, hey, I've got the next phenom pitcher. I want X amount guaranteed. I want the big signing bonus. I want a long-term contract. I think all of the teams are going to point to Steven Strasburg, and they're going to go, look, the guy was a phenom. He pitched seven games, and he blew out his elbow, had to miss a year, a year and a half. That's why you don't give long-term contracts to pitchers. You don't give big money up front because this type of thing can happen. Our next headline Good news for the NFL and for Fox. Believe it or not, Griggs, Fox has already sold out all of their commercials for the next Super Bowl. This is according to the Sports Business Journal. They're going to get around $3 million for a 30-second spot. Really goes to show how strong the brand of the NFL is. And even in a tough economy, people still think that a Super Bowl spot is a terrific buy. Our next headline... BYU announced that it's going independent in football and all of the other sports that they have will be in the West Coast Conference. I'm a loyal Marymount alum, so uh, part of the West Coast Conference. I'm kind of excited that BYU is going to join the group, and I think BYU and uh, Gonzaga will have an interesting rivalry in basketball. But what this really amounts to is what it means for them football-wise and BYU thinks that they're going to be able to earn more than their $1.3 million annual payout that they got from being in the Mountain West Conference for TV. That's going to be interesting to see here. If they don't, this may be a gamble that wasn't worth taking. We see that Notre Dame has an enormous TV deal with NBC. They don't want to share that with anyone. That's a good reason for them to be an independent. I don't know if BYU has the same type of... Uh, calling card that Notre Dame has. But the one thing you can be sure of is that BYU leaving the uh, Mountain West Conference and losing the Salt Lake City market, 994,000 households there, that's a big blow to that conference. 
Our next headline, Adidas renews their contract with the MLS. They signed a deal for more than $200 million. Uh, They're going to sign the deal through 2018. It's up 66% from their previous 10-year $150 million deal that they signed previously. So, you know, Adidas believes in the growth of the MLS. We're going to have an announcement that pertains to the MLS in our next segment, how it affects us. But, uh, you know, MLS has shown tremendous growth. Adidas really wants to be part of the soccer market in the United States. And I think this makes a lot of sense for them on a number of levels. All right. Coming up in our next segment, we've got some news to share here at Sports Business Radio. Some changes, some new things we're going to be unveiling. We've got our guests lined up for our next Sports Executive Speaker Series event here in Portland, Oregon. Want to share that with you. Those are all coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to PumpkinRidge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and I want to spend the next few minutes talking about some changes here with Sports Business Radio, some exciting things to tell you about. We usually cover the world of sports and don't talk too much about ourselves, but I want to spend a few minutes letting you know where you can find what we think is really some tremendous content that we're going to be offering going forward. First of all, you'll be able to hear our show and we've got our new executive producer, Brian Griggs. You can tell the sound of the show is just uh, phenomenal in the last few months. Griggs, uh, awesome job with all the bumpers and the new music and the new openings, and uh, it's sounding great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's uh, been a very fun privilege to be here. I enjoy it, and uh, it's fun making the show sound hot for you guys, and I, uh, I'm just glad that Brian asked me to do it. So you'll be able to hear us uh, along our national radio network, the Sports Byline Broadcast Network. But then you're also going to be able to hear our podcast still. We're one of the most popular podcasts on iTunes in the business news section. And if you go to our new website, sportsbusinessradio.com, one of the things that you're going to see right off the bat is on the homepage now, there are icons linking you to our RSS feed, our Twitter feed, our Facebook fan page, 
and our iTunes podcast. Very easy for you to find in the upper right-hand corner of sportsbusinessradio.com. Wanted to make it super easy for you to follow us on all of our platforms. And we tweet regularly. Uh, We have lots of Facebook postings. We'd love for you to become our Facebook friend. And then again, our podcast. If you can't listen to us live every week on the radio, it's a great way to be able to listen to us on demand, the podcast on iTunes, Sports Business Radio. One of the other things I'm really excited about is the blog page on sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm going to continue to blog, but I don't blog as much as I used to. Got a daughter and some other things going on in life and uh, just don't have a chance to... I tweet a lot more. I don't blog as much. So I wanted some other voices too. And we've got some fantastic bloggers that are people that are living and breathing and covering the sports business industry. And Tim Lemke, who is a former sports business reporter for the Washington Times, can't tell you how thrilled I am to have him on board writing for us. Chris Mike used to be the marketing director at Nike Golf. He is in the social media space now. He's going to blog about social media. He's already had some tremendous blog postings. Jared Melzer, who works with Lance Armstrong, he lives in Spain He has worked with some of the top brands in the world. He's written some great things for us already. And David Fuller, who's based in Europe, you know, in one of the emails I get all the time, hey, you don't cover enough sport in Europe. You don't talk about international sports enough. You don't cover international contracts and the business of football in Europe and things like that. David is going to be our expert over there. He's got some great insight. So four tremendous voices that you're going to be able to read regularly on our blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. I invite you to visit our site often and keep up with those people. And also I will be tweeting those out as well. So be able to follow them on Twitter. Now, the other parts of our website that I want to tell you about We've got an interview section, some of the best interviews that we've ever done on this show. Jack Nicholas, Mark Cuban, David Stern, people like that. These are all people that are in our interview section. You can go and listen to my conversations with them over the years, the last six years of doing this show. Great place to go. So visit the interview section of sportsbusinessradio.com. And then we've got our podcast section. If you don't have iTunes, and you just want to listen via your web browser, go to our podcast section. You'll you'll see the show description, and you can uh, listen every week. We've also got a gallery. I don't know if you want to see my ugly mug, but if you want to see what I look like, you can see the gallery on sportsbusinessradio.com. Got some shots of the studio. You can see Griggs and myself. See me playing Old McDonald at Mandon Dunes. See some of the guests that have stopped by the studios over the years. Good place to go. The gallery section. And then video. I get asked to do a lot of TV segments. I've been on MSNBC. I've been on a number of different uh, TV networks talking about the business side of sports. If you want to watch those, you can do that in our video section. And then, like I said, social media. We're big into social media. Twitter and Facebook. You can find those icons on our homepage. All right. We also do a sports business executive speaker series. We team with the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We bring key decision makers to Portland right now. We may be expanding outside of Portland in the not-too-distant future, but right now they come to Portland. We had Larry Miller, the president of the Portland Trailblazers, here earlier in the year. Then we brought in Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-10, right before all that news went in. Major League Soccer Commissioner Don Garber is going to be in Portland Tuesday, September 21st. We're going to sit down with him. It's going to be like looking in on a live edition of Sports Business Radio. It's presented by Adidas, which is terrific. We appreciate their 
help with the event. And uh, Don Garber, you can get tickets, sportsbusinessradio.com. Go there. You can get your tickets online. We'd love to see you in person at the event. All right, coming up next, Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports. We're going to preview the upcoming NFL season and talk about the current collective bargaining agreement. Where is that going? You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Charles Robinson. You can read his terrific work at yahoosports.com. Charles, thanks for joining us right here on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for having me, Brian. So, NFL season's getting ready to kick off this week. Let's start with an update on the collective bargaining agreement. Here we've got a league, the most successful pro sports league in America. They have billions of dollars to divide, but there's talk that after this season, which is an uncapped season, there could be a work stoppage. What's the latest there? Well, look, right now, um, it, not a lot has changed in terms of you know what the main arguments are right now between the two sides. Obviously, the owners want to lower uh, the, the revenue share that, that players are getting, the percentage of the pie, which is, you know, approaching 60% for players under the current CBA. And, you know, really NFL owners want to get that down into the mid, if even the low 50s, which represents, you know, obviously tens of millions of dollars every year in the, in the pockets of owners in terms of profit. Now, what people should understand is, you know, when you look at the owners and people say, well, they're bracing for a lockout and people understand um, why people well the owners have done a couple of different things number one they they hired the services of outside counsel a guy by the name of Bob Batterman who led the NHL through its own uh, lockout in in the mid 90s okay so number one you've got them you know the owners securing outside counsel to lead them through a lockout should it come to that number two they've signed contracts uh, TV contracts that still pay them even if there aren't games being played, which is another sign that, hey, you're bracing for uh, your own revenue stream just in case games aren't played. And then, obviously, number three, they're starting to seek clauses in coaching contracts for furloughs, reduced salaries of of, of coaching staffs, which is another sign, obviously, that, hey, if we don't play games in 2011, uh, we're going to reduce some of our, our salary commitments to our coaching staff. Now, 
you know, uh, I think right now the one thing that fans can probably hang on to, you know, you want to see football in 2011. This all really hinges on this 18-game quote-unquote enhanced season because owners are trying to find a way to enhance the amount of revenue they put into their pockets, increase their revenue stream. Now, if they can increase the season to 18 regular season games, that's going to boost the revenue that, that they're able to, um, you know, obviously that they're able to pull in um, and, and a larger revenue pie. Uh, I think they'll be willing to give up a few percentage points in terms of, hey, okay, well, we don't want you to be at 60%. Maybe we'll, we'll allow you to take 55% instead of the 52% that we want to give you. You're going to start to see a little bit of horse trading right now going on between the two sides. But I really believe football in 2011 a new collective bargaining agreement. This is all going to depend on that 18-game schedule. That's got to get done on the owner's side. It's got to get done on the labor side for them to be able to have enough trade-offs to keep uh, playing NFL football next season. So it sounds like, I mean, if I'm the players and I'm Demora Smith, the head of the players' union, I'm saying, okay, if you're asking me to play two more regular season games in exchange for you know probably less preseason games, so these games count. I'm not sitting these games out. I'm not playing for the same amount of money. That's two more games. Right. Aren't they going to have a problem with this? Or are you saying that percentage, the 60 to the 55%, that may be the trade-off? Well, see, that, that's, the, that's the part of the problem here. That's part of the negotiation because, uh, you know, fans kind of think, oh, well, geez, if they're playing 18 regular season games, instead of getting 16 game checks, um, now they'll just uh, prorate two more game checks you know, for, for 18, uh, 18 games, they'll add on to that salary. That's not what happens. You know, NFL contract, you're contracted for a season. Now, if that all of a sudden becomes 18 games instead of 16 games, you're out of luck. I mean, you're, you're playing for the same amount for two additional regular season games. Now, basically what owners will say, at least to the union, is look, if we're increasing the overall revenue pie uh, by adding two extra games, we're going to raise the salary cap. This is going to give you more. This is going to give teams more dollars to spend under that cap, um, and essentially that's going to go into your pocket eventually. But you're looking at at least this class of players, guys who have just signed deals. They're going to kind of get it stuck to them a little bit, and you're probably going to see some guys try to re- renegotiate. But that, like I said, that's where this horse trading is going to go on. That's where you're going to see a lot of the negotiations because you're going to see a lot of players, particularly veteran players who just signed long-term deals saying, wow, all of a sudden the number of regular season games I'm playing is changing. We need to refocus on, you know, what my salary is for the 18-game season rather than the 16-game season. That's going to complicate things. Once again, that 18-game season is really the key to making both sides happy, giving the owners the revenue they want, allowing the players to keep a larger share of, of that revenue pie that they currently have. I mean, here's my problem from from the owner's perspective. There is so much money that each owner makes from the TV money, as you alluded to earlier. It essentially covers their player payroll. So, I mean, as I've said for a long time with the NFL, it's almost a dummy-proof league. It costs, you know, a billion dollars or more to get in, so you have to have a truckload of money. But once you're in... It's hard to lose money because you're getting so much money from TV. How can they say that, you know, we are – how can they cry poor, I guess? Well, everyone wants to know, what, what are you making? They won't open their books. I mean, that's, that's part of the issue here is that the, the union is looking at the owners saying, you're all saying you're not making enough revenue. Show us exactly how much revenue you're making. The NFL saying, no, forget it. We're not going to show you how much revenue we're, 
you know, which is it's very hypocritical on the side of the ownership because you can't sit there and say we're not clearing enough, we're not we're not far enough in the black, but not you know refusing to show uh, the union exactly how far in the black you are. So you know, some teams say, oh well, we're breaking even. Um, you know, some teams are, are projecting you know twenty million dollar uh, you know after total revenue spent after it's divided up on facilities all the salaries, everything, basically everything that it costs to run an NFL team. Some owners are saying, well, I'm walking away with $20 million. Well, you know, if I have a billion dollar business, how am I only clearing $20 million a year? And yet they're not willing to prove that to the union. So obviously that is a major point of contention. The fact that the NFL has a longstanding policy of refusing to open up the book, um, you know, to the union. And, and clearly, obviously that's a big problem in this negotiation. Last point on this topic, you know, the underlying subplot here, Charles, is you've got two men who are essentially, you know, riding to their first shootout at the OK Corral. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and Players Union Rep uh, Demora Smith. These guys want to prove to their their sides, hey, look, I've got your back. I'm going to represent you well. How do you think that plays out? Because I think that adds a whole nother level of uh, interest to this negotiation. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, that's the subplot you're going to hear about the most. I mean, I think that's the one thing that um, we haven't talked about a lot is really the relationship of these two men. Part of the reason why there was continuity and, and continued labor peace for a long time was because Paul Tagliabue and Gene Upshaw, the predecessors to Roger Goodell and DeMora Smith, had a friendship. They had a very good working relationship. Um, they were a- able to really get deals done in the 11th hour. And so far, we don't know that about Roger Goodell and DeMore Smith. If anything, I think we've seen sides that these guys have a very chilly relationship. You know, Roger Goodell continues to say, I work for the NFL. I don't just work for the owners. DeMore Smith almost laughs at that and says, that is the most ridiculous statement I've ever heard. Of course, you work for, you know, 31 billionaire owners, 32 teams. Um, they're, they're your boss. And um, I, I think that's the thing that's going to be interesting, watching the, the relationship between these two men play out. Because I can say this, Morris Smith, it's very important for him to not um, really get abused in these negotiations. He's new union president. I mean, the guy who really has to show um, that, that, you know, he's going to be as efficient in battle as, as Dean Upshaw was at time. But he's also sitting on top of the best CBA agreement in the history of the union. And you can't all of a sudden just erase that and take steps back. I mean, he's, he's in such a great position in terms of piece of the pie that the players are getting right now. If he gives that all back, I mean, he's really putting his own legacy um, in jeopardy, I think, from day one. What does your gut tell you about where this is going to go? Do you think this gets solved, or do you think this drags out to the last minute and uh, we could potentially see a work stoppage? I think it'll drag out, but I, I really believe that this 18-game, quote-unquote, season enhancement is going to be the saving grace. I really do. I think that's going to be the thing that, that you know, creates some common ground for both sides. I think that you're going to see the players, you know, the NFL is not going to get that, that revenue stream um, down to down to low 50%, you know, for, for players. But I think if players can agree to that 18-game schedule, um, you know, grow that, that, that overall revenue pie by two extra regular season games, you're going to see the owner say, "Okay, we'll give them a couple extra percentage points. We don't want, we won't have to push it all the way back to 52 percent. Maybe we'll settle at 55, and you know, we'll, we're we're going to use those two extra game, games to, you know, obviously increase not only the TV revenue but sponsorship revenue. 
Um, it basically takes all those other revenue streams that they've really worked so hard to find, and it gives you two whole extra games to you know basically maximize those revenue streams. The suite prices go up, the ticket prices go up. I mean, basically taking every single thing you earn on one given Sunday and you're increasing it, you know, with two extra games. So I think ultimately that's going to be what stops uh, or what what creates an agreement and, and, you know, we avoid a a lockout. I didn't think before, you know, that that 18-game schedule really came into, um, uh, you know, came into the realm of of a possible reality that uh, there there wasn't going to be a lockout. I thought, you know, there would be a lockout. But now with that 18-game schedule, sitting there, I think that's what they'll use to find common ground. We're joined by Charles Robinson. You can read him on yahoosports.com. He covers the NFL. Charles, some big storylines heading into the season other than the CBA negotiations. Let's start with our good friend, Brett Favre. He's back again. You know, I'm sick and tired of his waffling every year, but you have to say this about Brett Favre. He is good for the business of the NFL. He's a recognizable face. He draws in the casual fan. He's definitely good for the business of the Minnesota Vikings with ticket sales, merchandise sales, sponsorships. Do you think Brett Favre is doing the right thing by coming back, or do you think he's going to have a hard time topping what last year was a really phenomenal season for him? I, I don't think there's any way he can meet um, what he did last season. I mean, last season you could argue, um, you know, it was the most efficient season, one of the best. I mean, this is a guy who was, M, you know, an MVP in other seasons, but you know, he was just so effective last year. And I, I don't know how he can approach that. Now that said, I it's hard to also walk away. I mean, they were so close to the Super Bowl. You're really talking about one turnover that changed everything for them in the playoffs. Um, I think you have to make one more run at it. I think obviously Minnesota is going to allow him to pocket some extra money. I mean, if he can walk away from the season making anywhere between 17 and $20 million, that's a heck of a way to go out your last season. And, and you know, the reality is you're right. He's good for everybody. He's good for the league. He's good for writers. He's good for radio, television, anything involved with the NFL. Brett Park creates a very good storyline. And, you know, I think you – started to see that a little bit in this offseason when there was a question about, hey, is this health to the point where he may actually retire? Um, you hit the panic button a little bit. Uh, hit the panic button a little bit if you're the NFL because all of a sudden you're looking at Tavares Jackson and saying, wow, we just lost a major marquee selling point in our league. Um, but, uh, you know, Minnesota is going to be very interesting because, you know, you lose Sidney Rice, you know, for, for at least six games this season. Percy Harvin's got significant, you know, migraine problems, and we don't know how that's going to play out in the regular season. They're down two major pieces of their offense, and, you know, depending on how, how Harvin's migraines manifest themselves in the regular season. All of a sudden, you're looking at Minnesota and going, are they as good as they were last year? I mean, just overall as a team, I don't think they are. So they're dealing with a major, uh, a major up-and-comer in Green Bay, a great offensive team. I think Minnesota's going to be a very good storyline, but Brett Favre's got his work cut out for him, no doubt about it. We've only got a few minutes left. I'll throw out some names. Give me your thoughts quickly. Uh, Donovan McNabb in Washington. He'll be good for the Washington Redskins, but I, I still think there are too many problems as far as that offense. There's not enough pieces around him. He left a very talented Philadelphia team. I think he's going to struggle a little bit his first year in Washington, but I think he's got more, obviously, than one year in the tank there. But he'll be good for them initially, but I still think Washington, even with Donovan McNabb, is maybe a 500 team. We know Ben Roethlisberger will not play a full season in Pittsburgh. He'll start the season suspended. How are the Steelers going to do? 
Well, I think they're going to have a tough go of it. I think Byron Leftwich is going to be their starting quarterback on day one. I think you're going to see a very run-heavy Pittsburgh Steelers team, but I think you you know it's going to be a team that defense is absolutely going to have to carry them. And if they don't get consistent play out of James Harrison and Lamar Woodley, their two outside linebackers, it's going to be a team that's going to struggle. Now, if Ben ends up sitting out, you know, say six games, um, and they're not better than 500 when he comes back, I don't know the the Pittsburgh Steelers are a playoff. That's a very tough division. Even Cleveland looks like they can put up a, a, a tangible fight this season. So I, I think the Pittsburgh is a little bit behind the eight ball with the Roethlisberger. The defending champs, the New Orleans Saints, they had a pretty quiet offseason. Uh, it looks like they're returning a lot of their team intact. You think they can repeat? I, I think they've looked like a team that can repeat. I mean, offensively, they look fantastic. The big question is defensively whether or not Greg Williams can continue to create a lot of turnovers, a lot of opportunity. It's all going to hinge on defense for them. I mean, offensively, they're going to be fine. I actually think Reggie Bush had the best preseason he's had since he entered the, the league. Um, but he actually looks like, I think, a legitimate starting running back, even if that's not going to be his role for that team. I think he can now start to carry more of a load for the Saints. They'll be a lot of fun to watch, but again, it's all about that defense and Greg Williams, what kind of turnover ratio they're going to have. Interesting storylines in Arizona with the Cardinals, the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl season before last. Matt Leinert looks like he may be out altogether. Derek Anderson, starting quarterback. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on in Arizona? It's really a disaster. I mean, this is a team that, um, you know, when Kurt Warner was in there, I, I think you had obviously a high-functioning offense. You know, you had a defense that could create some turnovers. I mean, it was a very good, strong playoff caliber team. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that, you know, to me, they may be 6-10 and 10 at, at best. They may be 5-11. Wow. I mean, they've taken a big step. But yeah, Matt Leiner has been a disaster this offseason. They really didn't protect themselves. They went out and got Derek Anderson. But, Charles, but, explain that to me because I've read a lot of things where they're like, okay, Leiner's 19-23. He's thrown a touchdown, no picks. People are like, okay, on the field, it appears in the limited time he's been out there, he's playing okay, but... So how is it a disaster? Is it behind the scenes? His team has no faith in him? I, I don't think the, the chemistry is there. I don't think that he's got the confidence of the locker room. I Frankly, I don't think the locker room has ever embraced Matt Leiner, um, you know, since he arrived in, in Arizona. I think that was one of the reasons why it was so easy for Kurt Warner to take his job, not just the fact that Kurt Warner was a great quarterback, but, I mean, he basically walked in and commandeered that team almost from day one. Matt Leiner's never really been able to do that. And frankly, some of the numbers that he was able to put up, some of the effectiveness preseason came against very, very vanilla defensive looks. And, um, you know, that's something he's not going to see in the regular season. I, I Clearly the coaching staff does not have trust in him, and I don't think the locker room has a lot of faith in him. And I think his reaction to being devoted uh, to the backup quarterback spot kind of speaks to that a little bit. He's not taking it as a, you know what, I'm going to go back and win this job. Uh, kind of mentality. Instead, he's kind of griping, and frankly, I don't think that shows a lot of leadership on his part. Leinert's old coach is in Seattle with the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, how's he going to do? I mean, uh, you know, Matt Hasselbeck has to stay upright. It's to the point now where uh, if Matt Hasselbeck isn't playing for the Seattle Seahawks, Charlie Whitehurst is not going to be the answer there. Um, you know, offensively, they've got a little bit going for him. I mean, you know, they need Leon Washington to to play a bigger role in the backfield. You know, Mike Williams, all of a sudden, Mike Williams, the former Detroit Lions bust receiver, has become a storyline again. I think he'll be interesting to watch. 
But I think Pete Carroll, this is going to be a adjustment year for him. I think it's probably a, a less than 500 year for the Seattle Seahawks as Pete Carroll sorts through that roster and kind of churns out some of the players that he thinks aren't going to be able to make it in his system. But to me, long term, they got to start looking at that quarterback spot because, frankly, Matt Hasselbeck's very injury prone, and he's a guy that I don't think they can depend on going forward. And if Charlie Whitehurst is a guy, you got to look at the season at some point, him getting some start and you know grooming for that spot. And the last team I'll ask you about, I've been watching them on Hard Knocks. It's a great show on HBO. Oh, yeah. And, wow, what an interesting roster with Braylon Edwards and LT coming in and uh, Jason Taylor and, I mean, obviously Rex Ryan, the coach, the New York Jets, and is Revis going to get signed? That's a huge signing for them. How do you see the Jets season unfolding? Well, I think you got to talk about Mark Sanchez. I mean, he has not had a great preseason. Really, he's not. This is a preseason where you thought, okay, let's see him take a step forward from the rookie campaign. I, I think he's looked mediocre at best. You know, I think the leadership is a little bit better. I think he's a little more confident. But I don't think he's shown that in his opportunities in the preseason. I think that really has to concern them. Now, Sean Green, LaDainian Tomlin, going to be a run-first team. That will help. I think when San Antonio Holmes returns after his four-week suspension, um, you know, that's going to help. But, again, I mean, it's defense running is going to have to carry that team. The personality of Rex Ryan is going to have to help carry that team. And Darrell Revis, I'm shocked that it has gotten to this point that, you know, he's still not signed. Um, I still believe that this is something that could happen um, in the first week or two of the regular season. You'll see Darrell Rivas back on the field there. But the fact that it's gone this long is definitely an ominous sign to the Charles Robinson, YahooSports.com. Charles, where can people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at uh, Yahoo Sports NFL. That's uh, my primary Twitter account. And then obviously at uh, Sports.Yahoo.com. Charles, thanks for the time this week. Always appreciate it. All right, thanks, Brian. Call me anytime. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SB Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back with our final segment, and it's tradition, Griggs, that before college football and the NFL season start on this show, we make our picks, and we play them back at the end of the season, and we see, were we right? 
So I'm going to start with you. Let's start with college football. Who do you think is going to be the national champion at the end of the college football season? It's got to be Boise State this year. I'm pulling it out. They got the new uh, upgraded blue turf. Yeah, I it's, saw it. It's got to help them out because that is definitely a home home advantage. They're returning almost just about everybody. Kellen Moore's phenomenal behind the pocket. So I think uh, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna take it. Now they've got two tough games early. They've got Virginia Tech and they've got Oregon State. So it's gonna be interesting. But I agree. I like Boise State a lot. I'm gonna go with Texas. Uh, I just. I think that they're going to get back to a more traditional offense with the running game, which is you know what's made them a power. So I'm going to go Texas. I, I like the burnt orange this year. Mac Brown, heck of a coach. Uh, I'm going to go Texas. I don't think Alabama can do it again and go through the SEC undefeated. I think they lose at least once or twice. All right, NFL. Who do you like in the NFL? I'm going for a repeat. New Orleans Saints. I just uh, their offense is on fire right now. Defense. I don't know. I think they can make it up to to cover, but I think they're going to repeat. I like New Orleans, too, but I'm going to go with Indianapolis. Uh, I think Peyton Manning, much like Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, he has probably just had a pit in his stomach this offseason, knowing that he didn't have a very good performance in the Super Bowl. This is a guy who has a burning desire to win, and I think he somehow gets them back to the Super Bowl, and I think this time he wins. But I do like New Orleans. Uh, I'll tell you a team to watch. Total Dark Horse team. The Houston Texans. Watch the Houston Texans. I really like their team. And uh, just like the Oklahoma City Thunder in the NBA surprised some people, I think Houston Texans in the NFL, uh, I think their team on the upswing. All right, I want to thank our guest Charles Robinson this week. Terrific conversation with him. We'll put it up on our website, sportsbusinessradio.com, if you want to listen to it again. Our show staff. Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand every week. Go to the newly redesigned sportsbusinessradio.com. Get your tickets for our event with MLS Commissioner Don Garber, September 21st in Portland. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm Brian Berger for Brian Griggs. Have a great Labor Day. We'll talk to you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio.